Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. got your Bibles, if you can open to Luke chapter two, we're in week three of our joy series. And right at this Christmas time, we're working on this idea of joy, knowing that we live in a culture that's filled with cynicism and that Jesus has called us to walk with his joy. And that as Christians, we believe and know that Jesus coming was to cause great joy. And so we're the ones that it takes root in. We're the ones that uh, we are shining the light of Jesus through the joy of Jesus in our generation. And so we're spent a few weeks working on this idea. And we've used as a theme verse, Luke chapter two, I'm gonna read it. Let me just give you a, kind of a little synopsis on where we've been. Then we're gonna pray and then we'll dive into the message. So this is the famous text, Christmas text, uh, Luke chapter two about the shepherds and talks about joy. It says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. It's not that great. Let's try that again. That will cause great joy. That was great. That was great. All right. That brings me joy. Uh, It's cheesy. All right. Joy for all the people today in the town of David, a savior, Jesus, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. And so we talked in week one on joy. We just talked out of Isaiah 61, how he will give us the oil of joy or the oil of gladness. We talked about Jesus giving us supernatural joy. It's the great exchange. We bring our ashes and he takes our brokenness and he gives us great joy. So as a result of salvation, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we walk in a supernatural joy. And so we talked about that in week one. Then in week two, we talked about growing in our joy and we talked about the personality of God. And we talked about Zephaniah 3.17 where he rejoices over you with singing. And we talked about if our view of God is one that he is joyful, that he takes joy in us, well, then it's easy to turn around and have joy back in him. We talked about increasing our joy in God, the buffet of different things we can take joy in. But instead, we're trying to have Jesus be the number one thing we take joy in, what it means to look at, know, walk in his joy over us individually. Today, we're gonna go outward. Today, we're gonna talk about his joy in others coming to faith. His joy in lost being saved. His joy in there being a great multitude around the throne one day from every tongue, tribe, and nation. His joy in using you to make a difference and your joy in participating with him in what he's doing on the planet. So let's pray and we'll go after it. Father, we love you today. And God, we ask, Lord, that uh, our joy would increase as we labor faithfully in your joy. God, I thank you for each person here that walks with you and knows you. I thank you for each person here, Lord Jesus, that you might be calling forth today, that they might, you might be softening their heart today to come into relationship with you. God, we ask that you would give us wisdom and revelation from the scriptures. We pray that they would come alive in our hearts. We pray that we would not just know this, but that we would live this. We pray, do a special, unique work in our hearts today that would bear eternal fruit. We honor you and we love you. And everybody said, amen.
How many of you love parties? You love parties? Christmas time, it's parties. I love parties. Friday night, I went to two parties, everybody. Two parties. Yeah, not just one, two. Uh, Friday night, uh, my daughter, Olivia, she's sitting here on the front row. She's a ballerina. She had ballet. First party was going with lots of other moms and dads, and we're watching our daughter dance. It's just like right there. There's lots of other kids. It's one of those moments where you're trying to cheer for every single one because there's like hundreds and thousands of children that are performing and you're there all night. Uh, but you know, you really cheer the loudest when it's your kid and you're boom, iPhone goes up and z- z- you scream the loudest. And then when you're trying to get all the other parents to cheer for your kid louder and you know, I, maybe it's just me. So, um, but anyway, so you celebrate. And the reason for the party is a person. The reason for the party was Olivia. So it wasn't just the love of parties that caused me to gather with people. It was, there was a purpose. There was something that was causing great joy. There was something that we were rejoicing about and it's Olivia and specifically Olivia dancing. Olivia's ballet brings joy, brings life. There's a reason for the joy. Then went to second party of the night and it was an engagement party where Josh and Tori had just gotten engaged. There's pictures, everybody's happy. There's lots of food. Everybody's excited. Everybody's just thanking God. I mean, like it's just joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, it's amazing, right? But the purpose was not just to gather. There was an actual reason why we gathered. It was this celebration of Josh and Tori, celebrate of of them getting engaged. It was exciting. Here's what I want to encourage you with. You have a father. He's got great joy. And in Luke chapter 15, we get three stories that unpack what creates great joy in the heart of your father. So... There's multiple things. It's multifaceted. And we've already talked about how you bring him joy. We've talked about that. I I mean, even if you break down what it looks like within the Godhead, the joy that the son brings to the father, we talked about last week, although it snowed. So welcome back to church, everybody. Uh, we talked about, about the joy that the son brings to the father. So there's joy within the Godhead and delight uh, that, they, that, that exists between father, son, and spirit. So there's lots of ways you can look at this. In Luke 15, we see one facet of it that I want to talk about today. And that is the joy in God's heart when lost people come to saving faith. When people who don't know God enter the family of God. And Jesus gives three different parables. And there's lots of details in the parables. The big idea is the labor, the work of seeking out and finding the lost sheep, finding a lost coin, finding a lost son, the saving work of God, and then the celebration, the celebration of the sheep, celebration of the coin, the celebration of the lost son. And so we got a lot of Bible. I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly because we've got a lot of content today, but I want you to see Jesus talking about what creates rejoicing. And he talks about it, not just, this is not just celebration or joy in the past, which there's a lot of that. There's creation where he is glad, right? Where he creates and then it is good. And then we can read all through the Old Testament and there's moments where we read about celebration, rejoicing, Sometimes it's easy for us to even think maybe it's in the distant past that he has joy. But Jesus gives us a present tense understanding of joy that takes place in heaven, in our generation that we get to be a part of. And I want you to see us tapping into recognizing the joy of heaven in our lifetime, like what's taking place and how we can participate with it. So lots of Bible here. Let's look at this. Luke 
chapter 15, context is Jesus talking to teachers of the law and Pharisees. And they're saying, who is this one who sits with sinners? He feasts with them and they're, they're annoyed. They're kind of lifting their nose. Like he's hanging out with sinners. And the, the entire Luke 15 text is a response to that because Jesus has been hanging out with sinners. Jesus has been hanging out with the outsiders. Now I just want you to see how many times we see joy and rejoicing in these stories, all right? Luke chapter 15, starting verse three. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully, there's the word, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and and says, rejoice with me. So he finds joy and then he throws a party. He's got a reason for the party. Rejoice with me. Like I've got joy in the found sheep. Now now rejoice, join with me friends, because I have found my sheep. And then Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven. So he's using a real scenario where first century, a shepherd would actually find joy in finding the livestock he was supposed to be taken care of. I mean, finding the sheep is his responsibility. There would be real joy. He's, he's connecting with the people about what they'd understand. And then he goes, there's even more joy, more joy in heaven. I tell you that there will be even more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So he finds it joy in the sheep. And then he throws this party. He's talking about right there. But then if you think even further, then he's saying, and and this is what heaven does. Heaven's rejoicing. So the kind of the heart of God is seen as the shepherd. And then Jesus goes to the heart of God being this woman who loses a coin. And so let's just read it. It says this, or suppose a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Does she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully till she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends, same idea. She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Same idea. Call them together. Here's the reason for rejoicing. I found the coin or shepherd. I found the sheep. There's a reason for the party. There's a reason for the joy. There's a reason for the celebration. We live in a culture that loves to celebrate. You have within you the desire to celebrate. You're made in God's image. You're an image bearer of God. God is a rejoicing God. He likes to rejoice. Our culture doesn't always know what to rejoice about. So it'll rejoice over lots of different things that don't matter, but you get to rejoice about what matters for eternity. It's hardwired into you to rejoice. You're gonna be a rejoicer. The question is not if you rejoice, it's what will you rejoice about? And, and we've got this opportunity to see, here's Jesus. He's saying, let me give you a window into what my father rejoices about or what heaven rejoices about. And of course, the most famous, I think probably the most famous text in the scriptures is the story of the prodigal son. And it's the story where then Jesus goes into this father who had two sons. And the lost son says, father, give me my inheritance. And the son gives it to him. And the father, the father lets the son just go. And the son goes out, squanders all he has in wild living. And then he comes to his senses and says, how many of my father's hired men have food to eat? And here I am starving to death. I'll go back to my father. I'll say, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Make me like a hired hand. But then while he was still a long way off, and this is the party talk, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him 
ran to his son, hugged him, kissed him. The son begins the speech and the father goes, no, 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 no. Bring the best robe, put it on my son. Let's put some shoes on his feet, enter the banquet table. This son of mine was lost and is found. He was dead and now he's alive. And there's this celebration, there's rejoicing. And Jesus gives these three different stories to talk about the heart of God for lost kids, for those who he wants in the fold, for those that he wants found for those that he wants to say, welcome home. And for us at Christmas, there is great joy in the angels proclaiming Jesus has been born, a Messiah, Savior. And Jesus is born. Jesus then grows. He becomes the Savior of the world. In fact, the name Jesus means the one who saves. Famous verse that you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So here is Jesus, the savior. He's come to the world to save. He is the shepherd that goes after the sheep. Today in the present tense, he's going after sheep through you. Like you're his hands and his feet. He's doing the work. He's at work. He's at work through his church. You're his hands. You're his feet. He is like the woman who's going after finding the lost coin. And he's going after finding through you, through me, through us. Through his, he's, he is at work. And the intriguing thing about this language is the very tension in the parable is, is it worth the sacrifice? I mean, a shepherd is gonna leave the 99, so it's his responsibility to take care of 100 sheep and he's gonna go after it. He's gonna leave the 99 to go after the one or the woman is gonna light a lamp, which implies in first century, staying up late or staying up through the night when it's dark and working, sweeping out the house, laboring, working diligently or the cost of the father throwing an extravagant party. All of it is the language of He is seeking, he's going after, and he's saving. He's rescuing those who need to be rescued. And Jesus looks at Pharisees. Jesus looks at people that are religious, people that are wrinkling up their nose that he would feast with sinners. And he says, this, this is why I came. This is, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a savior. I'm, I'm going after them. And every single time that a lost sheep is found, heaven rejoices. And every single time that the coin is found, heaven rejoices. And every time that the son comes home and the father, he throws a party and heaven rejoices. So all of us get the invitation in to seek, to go after lost people with Jesus. We get the invitation. Jesus does all the saving. It's all, it's all Christ's work, but we are the heralders. We're the proclaimers with our lives and with our words. Even in the context of Luke 2, the shepherds then become those that begin to declare about Jesus, the good news. He's here. So here's the question. There is joy that we experience at salvation where we enter into supernatural work of God inside of us. And it's the great exchange where he takes our brokenness and gives us the oil of joy. He takes our ashes and makes something beautiful. And 
There's great joy as you recognize what Josh said a moment ago, his delight in you and his love for you. And he rejoices over you and he knows the numbers of hairs on your head and he cares about every detail of your life and he's a good father and he sings over you and he loves you. Joy expands and grows at Christmas when you understand and recognize the joy that God takes in you. And I want you to see the joy that is yours by virtue of jumping in on the mission that he has there would be a great multitude that no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. That every single child, every single one, actually, that's what Peter says. Peter talks about that he desires that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so the invitation for us today is, are we in on that joy? How how can we be so overflowing with relationship with God that we want in on what he's working on? We care about what he cares about. When I was uh, a kid, elementary school, growing up in uh, northern Idaho, my, uh, my, I had great relationship with my dad, and um, we would go to church. Um, my dad was a pastor, and our tradition was we'd go to church, we'd come home, we would get roast beef out of the pot, and then my dad, my, me, and my brother would stand in front of a little tiny color TV in the 80s, and we would watch the Seattle Seahawks game standing up. I don't know why. That's why we do it. I don't know why. There was a recliner. We didn't use it. There was a, we, and I, but that's what we did. And so we would, we would all stand there and we would just stand close to the TV. I remember when uh, uh, we grew up and my sisters got married and their husbands would come over Christmas and we would all go stand and watch the NBA game right in front of the TV, eating our food. And they would like help my mom in the kitchen. And my brother looked at me and goes, we're done. You know, like, oh no, the, the, the son-in-laws are going to be loved far more than the sons. And uh, we had to slowly pull them into, here's what family culture does. We, <laughs> we just hold our food and watch the game three feet in front of the TV. And, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, but, 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 but I remember entering into, like my dad loved the, the Seahawks. He had pastored in Philadelphia. And so he, he had this like former like Philadelphia Eagle fan, but now we were in Northern Idaho and the only team in the regional television coverage that we had was from Seattle. And so we would watch the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday afternoons after church. And it was part of what dad enjoyed. It was what dad liked to do. So Dan and David sat, stood with dad. We watched, we watched the Seahawks. And so, We'd watch the Seahawks every Sunday. And I, I, I so knew that that was kind of what my dad liked. And I, and I liked finding my dad's joy that I then took on that joy and I became a crazy Seahawks fan. So I got a Seahawks wallet. I got a Seahawks lunchbox. I got a Seahawks jacket. I put up Seahawks posters up in my room. So I had Steve Largent, Kurt Warner, Dave Craig, any 80s Seahawks fans? Probably not. And uh, you're like, what is that? Anyways, don't worry about it. And, 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 and I... And I, I presented to my dad, look at this, I'm a Seahawks fan like you're a Seahawks fan. And I got this, I got a little bit of my dad's smile, like a little bit of, yeah, come on, that's what we do. I, I like that. Just, I, I call it about eight, if it was a cup of joy, it was about eight ounces worth, right? This is a mug, it was some joy and not, not, a, not a ton, but some. And th- but then my dad was a, was a high school basketball coach before he was a pastor. And, and so I, I, I went all into sports, soccer and basketball and playing t-ball in the summers and I, I love sports and, and I could feel some of my dad's joy when I played sports and he would, you know, put his arm around me, good job, nice job, scored a goal, you know, and of course, you know, I wasn't that great of an athlete, so the joy was limited, but, uh, 
but there's some degree of joy, maybe a gallon of joy, just a little bit joy. Uh, but my dad, more than being an NFL fan and, and, and more than being uh, an athlete, my dad was, he's a, he, he's a disciple maker and he writes books about making disciples. And when, when I was in junior high, I, I started these prayer meetings and I started like leading these small groups with other kids that were in junior high. And I would talk to my dad about theology and about Bible and about prayer groups. And I started these groups at my school and man, it was like, suddenly an ocean of joy bursting from my dad. And I figured out, ah, I have tapped into something that makes him tick, something that causes him to have great joy. And I I remember just having multiple conversations where we would talk about, he would talk to me about ideas and and ministry concepts. And I was, I mean, I I was trying to figure out who John Wesley was, when I, was, when I was in junior high because it brought such joy to my dad. And here's the idea. You have a father. And it's very easy for us to kind of live pursuing our joy. But Jesus gives us a window into the kind of joy that heaven possesses. And every time that you step into, I'm going to labor. I'm going to communicate I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna care, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna be a part of saving lost souls, playing the role that I play for people to come to know Jesus. There is an ocean of joy that exists in the heart of your father and it causes him to just go, yes. And you will start to experience greater joy when you enter into, I wanna be a part of what my father's doing today on planet earth. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's doing what he's been doing for a couple thousand years where he cares about he cares about people who are far from God coming to know Jesus. He cares about the friends that you've given up on. He cares about the siblings that you think it's too late for them, they'll never change. I wanna encourage you. You have a father and if you will actually get as much as possible, your prayers, your actions, your texts, your direct messages, your life around. I wanna engage in conversations and relationships with people to help them come to know Jesus. And I'm actually going to put calendar time on trying to make that happen. You will tap into a level of the Father's joy and you will start to experience joy in it. In fact, when we read this text here in Luke 15, we find the older brother and he doesn't go to the party. Why? Because he's concerned about himself. (laughs) Here I am slaving to death and you never even once gave me a goat so that I could have a party with my friends. Here's the language, accusation. You don't see me. You don't care about me. You don't give to me what I want. I don't get the goat. I don't get the party. And the one with eyes on me doesn't enter into the joy at the father's house. And you think about the older, older brother. He could be hanging out, eating the feast, but he's missing out. Many of us, we're missing out because we live in a culture that says, get your attention on yourself. Make sure that you get all the pleasures that America has to offer, and there are so many. Make sure that you get everything in your 70, 80, 90 years on planet earth. Make sure that your fulfillment comes from soaking every ounce of pleasure that you can from planet earth. Get yourself a goat, get yourself some friends, get yourself the good life. 
the supernatural God honoring, finding joy in your father is a different worldview. It's a worldview that says, I care about what my father cares about. And if the older son had been close to the father and cared about what was on the father's heart, when the little brother comes running home, the older brother, hey, let's throw a party, what's up? And he's, let's get some rings. Let's, and he's enjoying lost brother coming home. Let me tell you, there is a feast. There is a rejoicing that we experience when we are intentionally laboring to be a part of what Jesus is doing on planet earth today. And there's always the temptation. Nah, I'm gonna live for me. Nah, I'm gonna put my money towards me. Nah, I'm gonna put my time towards me. Nah, I'm gonna put my relationships towards me. I want everything to be towards me. It's the constant temptation. Here's what I wanna invite you to. Just pray through Luke 15. Just look at the heart of heaven rejoicing. And I do wanna say it is labor. Like it's work. It is definitely more comfortable to have our eyes on me. It's definitely more, more uh, not just comfortable, but like it's, it's temporarily like fulfilling, like just my, my own needs and my own kind of wants and my own, my own time and me. And it's actually labor to actually care, to actually care about lost people, lost sheep, lost sons and daughters coming to faith. It, I mean, then that's the tension. That's the language. The, the, the shepherd, he's going out through the night. He's gonna put a 70 pound sheep on a, oh, around his neck, which was in, the, in early Christianity, was a symbol of early Christianity, the shepherd with the sheep around his neck. It's this language of Jesus, who's the one who goes out and he gets the sheep. He's the one, he's doing the work. But I would encourage you, as we're the church of Jesus Christ today, you've got an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing and it's work. It's laboring. It's, it's reforming to where I care about the kingdom more than I care about my own needs, desires, wants. It's realigning my hearts with the heart of heaven. So earth, earth, earth rejoices. Earth, we've got lots of reasons why we rejoice. We're looking for any kind of reason to party, any kind of reason to rejoice. But there are great, greater ways to rejoice. What causes heaven to rejoice? That's why at Radiant, it could be a blizzard outside and we're like, got some signs and some parties and when people are being baptized, and we're like, what's up? Party time, right? Heaven's rejoicing, so are we. Like, that's what matters. And I just want you to get, all right, when it comes to finding joy at Christmas time, you've got joy from Christ, like just supernatural. He does a work inside of you. And you've got, you've got joy as you understand the heart of God and his love for you and grow as a disciple of Christ. And there is joy to be found as you become an evangelist, as you live on mission, as you become a missional Christian that cares about what God cares about, where suddenly there's, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing a little bit more than me. You're, 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 you actually notice that there's a, a sheep out and missing you're not just, it's not just, okay, well, we're good with the 99. Well, we're good with the nine coins. That, that lost brother of mine, he's crazy anyway. That's what we do. We just, we, we look for reasons. But I wanna invite you, just Christmas, lock in with God, who are people you're inviting me to see? Open my eyes to see. You're seeking, you're saving, you're doing the work, and I'm your hands and I'm your feet. I want 
your great joy. You're throwing parties. I want in on it. I got 70, 80, 90 years on planet earth. I want in on it. I wanna give you three steps. And I'm talking to even specifically two days from now. Like when we got Christmas Eve, is there people you could invite? Like maybe someone at work, you're like, that wouldn't be comfortable. I'm not sure everything's always comfortable. Or I'm talking about maybe that person that you just resolutely determined. I'm gonna put that person on my prayer list. I'm gonna know their name. I'm gonna look for opportunities to communicate with them. But I encourage you just a few things. Number one is don't give up on the lost. You're the one with relationships. Most people don't come to Christ through a preaching service. Most people don't come to Christ through a radio show or through a television show or through an internet broadcast or a podcast. Most people come to know Christ because somebody showed them Jesus. Somebody, they were off in confusion and frustration and somebody personified Christ in a way that blew their minds and they saw Jesus in that person. So before you start saying this is for somebody else, picture those three people and I would encourage you, don't give up on them. Don't give up on the people that God might have for you and be willing to say, I will embrace the sacrificial labor that it takes to go into the night and put the sheep on my shoulder. And you know what I'm saying? Jesus does the saving, but we are his hands and feet. We're out, we're praying, we're, we're serving, we're giving, we're loving, we're, I mean, we're doing whatever it takes for people to know Christ. I uh, went to a movie with some of the guys from the church in the fall when we were planting this church, um, 2016, called Hacksaw Ridge. And it was the story of Desmond Doss, who served in the army. And uh, it's a great, great story about how uh, he, he went and took wounded soldiers from World War, World War II and uh, those that would have just died. And he went and through the night, he crawled while bleeding. And it shows moments where he takes wounded soldiers and he ties them uh, and then drops them over the ridge and lowers them down so that then they would be saved and they wouldn't die. And the story is of Desmond Doss where he goes one at a time. And it's not masses at a time, it's one at a time. Tie the rope, drop it down, go back, find someone who's alive, going past dead soldiers, finding another one who's still breathing, putting him on his back, pulling that soldier to the ledge, tying him, dropping him down. And historians say that he individually saved between 75 and 100 wounded soldiers. It's a great movie, great story. And I was just thinking about what a metaphor, what a picture looks so much like the picture that Jesus gives us where the shepherd goes through the night, finds the lost sheep. And the intriguing thing in the movie is that it actually shows him praying, Desmond Doss praying, one more God, just one more. And just asking God for the strength to go get one more. Hands bleeding, tired, but knowing that every time that he goes, another one is saved. And so I want you to just imagine the joy of a Desmond Doss who then meets later in life the soldiers that he saved. Let me tell you this, heaven rejoices at every person that gives their life, every sheep that's found. You play a part, you play a role, and all of us play different roles. So it, 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 21st century evangelism looks different 
in America than it does in other countries. I've been to countries home to home in Nepal or home to home uh, in Africa, and they'll give their life to Jesus right there. You'll connect it to someone in the local church. They'll sign anything and they're going. And man, you go back to America and it's a whole different thing. But let me tell you this. Americans in general, huge generalities here, but Americans, it's, I see it more like a spectrum, like a process where you've got people that are from atheists. Honestly, you've got some in our culture today that are not just atheists, but they're, they're anti-theist. I mean, they're anti-God. And, and all the way to people that then are, are willing to ask spiritual questions, to those people that will give their life to Jesus, to then growing in their faith, to then ultimately walking in maturity where they're laying down their lives so that others can come to know Christ. And I think that all of us playing our part, using the spiritual gifts that God has in each one of us, when you'll play your part, when you'll, when you'll do what God's called you to do, not, I mean, there, you, you may be talking to someone at work over and over and over again and their heart gets soft and they come to, a, uh, they, they come to your small group at Starbucks and it might be Nathan up here just preaching and they give their life to Jesus. It might be someone else who leads a small group that helps them understand the gospel of John or works through some kind of apologetics or something like that, but you played your part. Or you might be the person that's over here and you're, you're playing your part by, you're, you're helping people who were once had the addiction that you had and you're helping them get set free and find freedom. God is at work through his people, his body. And you might not be the person that walks someone, like puts them on your shoulders like a sheep and you walk them all the way. Jesus is the one, he's walking them all the way. He's just using his church to play their part. And I wanna invite you to ask God, not ask David, not ask Nathan, not ask Joshua, ask God. What, what's, what's the part, God, that you've called me to play? What do you want me to do? What's the role that I play in being a part of seeing Great Commission? Second one is this. I wanna invite you to do this. Start spiritual conversations. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and start spiritual conversations. Jesus did lots of times. So evangelism in our day doesn't usually look like, here's a megaphone and let me just broadcast, tell everybody on the streets. Most people come through a relationship and Jesus, when he has relationship with people, he, he handles them differently. He'll look at the lady in John 4, the Samaritan woman, and he'll look at her and he'll be like, hey, you're thirsty? Let me tell you where you can find living water. Doesn't look like your husband's situation is right. Let's t- <laughs> let me tell you about what satisfies. John 8, he's looking at the adulterous woman. What? Who, who condemns you? You've been condemned a lot. Your condemners aren't here. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus looks at blind man. Hey, go just here, here. Let me just put some mud on your eyes and go go wash that off. Let's just just watch. I'm at work. Hey, hey, Zacchaeus, what are you doing up there? You feel rejected? You feel like no one cares about you? Tell you what, I'll have dinner at your house. Let's, let's do this relational thing. Let's talk. He's got relationship. I wanna encourage you. Your relationship with a person matters. Even as I'm talking, some of you got people, you're, you're picturing people in cubicles here work. Some of you are picturing neighbors. Some of you, you got friends. I just want you to just begin, just that I believe the Holy Spirit will start to bring people to mind where you're starting to realize God wants me to be a, a proclaimer, a heralder. Uh, like the shepherds, <laughs> let me tell you about what I know.
who Jesus is. And then my last encouragement is this, and you hear this almost every week, strengthen your friendship with God. Not doing this out of labor, but doing this out of love. Not doing this out of like, I have to, but out of the, I'm a friend of God. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants to his disciples because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. The closer your friendship gets with God, the more what is on his heart gets into your heart and the joy, his joy, his joy of, I want the lost sheep. I want him to know. I want to know God. It gets in you. And it's friendship with God. Every time you see a great friend of God, they end up on mission. God ends up conversation with Abraham. Hey, let's talk, Abraham. Goes on mission. Isaiah, mm, let's talk. What was me? Here am I, send me. Goes on mission, right? Hey, Paul, let's talk. Boom, I'm gonna send you out to the Gentile world. Hey, Disciples, you've done a relationship with me for a few years. I'm gonna send you out. Listen, there is joy. There is joy in heaven, rejoicing at one soul. One person comes to repentance. You play a part. You get to tap into the joy of your father. There is a party going on. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Get in on it. Will you bow your heads with me? We ask the Holy Spirit, just right now, just right now, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you just, just one, two, maybe three people. Holy Spirit, give me a burden. Your heart, I want God's heart. Just give me your heart. Oh. Now just ask the Lord, will you just show me a way to go into the night and chase that sheep celebrate, to go after, to labor. What does it look like? Now, last one, we just ask God, give me courage. Give me courage. I only got this one person in my mind, but God, give me courage. Action step. Open up opportunities. Open up doors. And if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can begin a relationship with God today because of Jesus. Just at your seat, if you wanna do that, would you just say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me today. I turn from my way and I go yours. I wanna spend eternity with you. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.